Okay, we are going to look today at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. So let's pray before we start. Father, as we uh, dig into your word today, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds and keep them focused on you as we look at your word. Teach us, Lord. Guide us and help us understand and teach us the things that you would have us learn as well, Father. These things we ask in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up in Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that now in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, I'm sure you're wondering about the title up there, The Walking Dead. (laughs) All right. Most of us are familiar with the television show, The Walking Dead. It's a futuristic dystopian thriller based on a rampant epidemic or pandemic that turns people into zombies. Yay. Oddly enough, the virus attacks a person's brain, killing them and taking them over and bringing them back to an undead state. They're pretty much mindless appetites that, as time goes on, are physically decaying. If you were or are a fan of the show, you'd know that the walkers, as they're called, continuously decay. I know it sounds kind of disgusting, but uh, they they kind of become walking pieces of rotting meat with pieces falling off. Just to be clear, Paul Paul is talking about the spiritually dead, not the physically dead. So... What would this, that look like from a spiritual or biblical standpoint? So let's do a little comparison between the living and the dead. So what does dead look like from a spiritual standpoint? Ephesians 4.18 gives us an idea. It says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. What does God mean by darkening their understanding? Romans 11, 8 and 10, you knew I'd get into Romans, right? Says that they have hardened their hearts, uh, 8 through 10. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, and ears 
that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. That's a bit on the dark side. But if you're feeling pretty good about yourself, look back at verse 3. And you'll realize that we were all once at that point. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh and were by nature children of wrath with the rest of mankind. Oops. Here's a quote from John Piper as a reminder of where we were before we accepted Christ. So we weren't just in the doghouse with God. We were really in the morgue. And whatever thought we thought, whatever feelings we felt, whatever deeds we did, they were not thoughts and feelings and deeds of the Spirit, but thoughts and feelings and deeds of the Spirit of flesh. Nothing we thought or felt or did was spiritual because we were dead spiritually. Everything we thought and felt and did came from what we were by nature, and by nature, we were children of wrath. Do you begin to see how utterly horrible our condition was without a Savior? Since we had no spiritual life within us, but only death, everything we did was sin. For what is sin but falling short of the glory of God? And who does anything for the glory of God when he was spiritually dead? And so before the Savior came, before he quickened us and made us alive, all we did was sin. Now that sounds a little tough, but there's actually scripture to back that up. That's what being dead looks like. It sounds harsh, but Romans 14.23 says, For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. (coughs) So that's a little bit what the dead look like. What do the living look like? James 3.13 gives us a hint. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Anything stand out in that verse? According to James, good conduct lets us show our meekness of wisdom. Sounds to me like James is tying humility to wisdom. This is a direct contradiction of how the world views life. The world sees power, fame, and fortune as ends in themselves, and often considers those who possess them to be wise. As a Christian, we say things a little differently. James continues in verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This is just my opinion, but I'd go so far as to say that Humility is a prerequisite for the wisdom that we request from God. Okay, back to the dead. 
Uh, in the television series, the Walking Dead have insatiable appetites. They are forever hungering, never satisfied, forever searching for the next meal. For the unbeliever, they are the desires of the flesh. And what are these desires of the flesh? Philippians 3, 18 and 19 gives us an idea, but so does Galatians 5. So we'll do both of those. For many, Philippians, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And then, of course, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. It's not an exhaustive list, though. As long as that list was, Paul ends with, with and things like these. The unbeliever will be constantly trying to get fulfillment from things that absolutely never fill and are absolutely never fulfilling. Uh, John D. Rockefeller was once asked a question, how much money does it take to make a man happy? Rockefeller's answer, just one more dollar. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will ne never be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. So many drug addicts, they may start just trying to get a high, but over time, they become desensitized to the drug they're taking and they have to take more and more until eventually they overdose and it kills them. So how does that apply to a believer? <clears throat> the believer should learn to be satisfied. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. Matthew 5.6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The Bible also sometimes uses the word filled to indicate satisfaction. Paul uses it this way in uh, his closing statements in the book of Romans. For those of you who are in my Sunday school class, you know I was going to get into Romans quite a bit here. So uh, <clears throat> Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Sounds pretty satisfying to me. Does this mean that the believer, as soon as they accept Christ, will instantly be satisfied with his life? Not a chance. <laughs> our sanctification, at least from our perspective, <clears throat> is ongoing and will not end until we leave this world and enter eternity. Let's look at some more differences, or at least another difference, between the dead and the alive. 
The dead are all about themselves. Titus 3.3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Don't forget, we were once dead too. James applies it to our prayer life. It's getting a little personal here. James 4.3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. That's pretty clear. Jude 1.18, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. But what are we as believers supposed to do with those passions? Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Colossians 3.5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Romans 6.12, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And 2 Timothy 2.22, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. There are many, many verses we could quote along those lines. But the bottom line is we, as believers, should be pursuing God's righteousness. It will lead to maturing in Christ. Christ and furthering our ongoing sanctification. The walking dead have another issue that keeps them dead. This may be the biggest issue of all, rebellion against God. So what does rebellion against God look like? Samuel said something to King Saul back in 1 Samuel 15, 23. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Prophet Jeremiah had something to say to the false prophet Hananiah. Jeremiah 28, 16 and 17. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. Isaiah 128, But rebels and sinners shall be broken together, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Jude 111, Woe to them, for they, they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain. And, of course, Romans again. Chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Sadly, as Paul says in Romans, rebellion in God, ultimately, rebellion against God, ultimately leads to eternal death. Thankfully, back to our uh, Ephesians verses, 
God is a God of mercy. Verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us. God is rich in mercy. Mercy is God giving us what we don't deserve and withholding from us what we really do deserve. Verse 5 spells it out. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and made alive together in Christ, by grace you have been saved. When we were dead in our sins, we deserved death. However, God, in His mercy, gives us love and life. There is no greater example of mercy. Well, at least not until Paul gets to verse 6. And raises us up and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In His mercy, He gives us His grace. What is grace? The short definition is unmerited favor. His mercy is so great that He gives us His grace and grants us His unmerited favor and seats us in the heavenly places with Christ. How do you top that? Well, He is God after all. So let's look at verses 7 and 8. So that the coming ages He might show immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. He has given us His mercy. He has given us His love. Even when we were dead in our sins, He has given us His grace and saved us. He has raised us up, seated us in the heavenly places. He has given us His kindness, and He has granted us faith. It's all a gift. There is nothing that we can do to earn it. Everything we do, no matter how good it looks to the world around us, is Everything we do is worthless without faith, without the faith He has granted us. Verse 9 and 10 rounded out. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. We were created for good works. God has prepared those good works for us. It's time we start walking in them. It's time to stop being like the spiritual zombies walking around in the world. God has brought us back to life, eternal life. Let's read through the entire passage one more time. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. 
It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today humbled and grateful that you are willing to take us, children of your wrath, and show us mercy, that you loved us even when we were dead in our sins, that you loved us enough to make us alive through Jesus, that you loved us enough to give us your saving grace, and by that grace, give us new life through the faith that you've also given us. We acknowledge that we cannot earn our way to heaven and know that it is only through the incredible gift that we can be saved. We are so grateful that you have created us and recreated us through Christ Jesus. And we ask that you show us the works that you have prepared for us and help us walk in them. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.